God. Yeah. So, yes, I hope that you'll be touched and inspired by the things that, that God has laid on my heart for you today. Um, I'm going to start by reading Matthew 10. So if you want to turn in your Bibles and go to Matthew 10, I'm going to read verses 1 to 20. So if you can follow it, that'd be quite nice. It's quite a long passage. Um, Okay, you ready? So it's titled in my NIV, it says, Jesus sends out the 12. So verse 1, chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. So now they start listing the 12 apostles. Interestingly, this is the first time the word apostle is used when Jesus sends them out. Because apostle actually means sent ones, or in the Greek, um, ambassador. And so, so before, they were Jesus' disciples, following him around. And now they're his apostles, they're sent out. So I'm going to pick it up again in um, verse 5. So these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of um, the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake off the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when... When they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So here, Jesus is sending out his disciples to to the lost and hurting people. And he's asking his disciples, and he's, he's asking his disciples who now are the apostles, he's asking them not to go off to some far off place or um, countries or towns, but to reach the people that are amongst them, that are lost, that are hurting and finding things difficult. He wanted them to reach the people that were close, that they lived amongst. And this is an amazing story, really, because... 
it's talking about how um, Jesus is giving him, the disciples, his now apostles, his sent ones, he's giving them an, a message to carry. And this message is really, really powerful. It has the power to transform his life. And he's given these apostles this message. This message is so powerful that it can um, heal diseases and, and heal the sick and set people free. This, this story also shows um, Jesus' mandate towards his people, towards you and me, his children, that he wants the message to be sent, wants his message to go through you and me, through the church. His mandate was always, his plan and purpose was always to use his people, to use us. And, you know, and, he, and he gives us the power and authority to do that. You know, and we get such joy and such, um, you know, it's so great, isn't it, to be able to be used by God and, and to be able to enjoy being able to use, be used by God and, and, be, and go into these places with this powerful, awesome message that he's put in us. And it's such an amazing message that he's put in us. This story also talks about how we were never, ever intended to do it in our own strength. But that actually when we rely and trust in God and we do the things that God wants us to do, then he shows up and things happen, amazing things happen. And this story also demonstrates his power. And it then demonstrates his power in a really, really different way. You see, he says to, um, you know, he says that he sends us out like sheep amongst wolves. And and when you think about lambs and sheep and and doves and things like that, you don't think power and authority or strength and might, do you? You you know, if if you want to think about strength and power, you want to think about lions or bears or tigers or elephants or something, don't you? You kind of sort of think, what do you mean sheep? And, And he's given us all this authority, yet Jesus, who is the almighty, powerful, awesome God who created the heaven of the, and the earth, is the Lamb of God. And he does send us out like sheep amongst wolves, and he asks us to be innocent as doves. So this story is about proclaiming the gospel with signs and wonders. So like the sent disciples, we are sent ambassadors of Christ, and we are carrying something really, really powerful. Now you, if you have Jesus in your heart, if you've asked Jesus to fill you with his presence and his power and baptized with the Holy Spirit, you are carrying something so wonderful and so amazing and so awesome. And if there's anyone here today that's not ever asked Jesus to come into their life, or ask Jesus to baptize him with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's never too late. You can do that today. And, you know, when you do, you too will be filled with something so wonderful, so amazing and powerful. So why is it amazing? Why is it so wonderful? It's because it's the only power that exists that can wipe away every sin. It's the only power that exists that can take away our shame, and it is the love of Jesus. 
We are to take the love of Jesus into a broken and dying world. And, you know, we can see lives changed and lives transformed by the power of Jesus' love. It's so wonderful. It's so amazing. And this is what's inside of each and every one of us. You know, we have this message that we carry. And, you know, we take it into all these places and, and um, you know, the world is waiting. The world is waiting for the things that we are carrying. And so the future of, like, our, the places that we work, our towns, our cities, our families, it all is dependent on you, on me, on the church, and the message that we are carrying. You know, the day that you ask Jesus into your heart, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it was the day that he filled you with himself. You know, he wasn't like stingy when he filled you up with himself. You can't just part fill somebody with yourself, can you? Either all in there or all not. When Jesus filled us with himself, it was so much so that we are now overflowing Jesus wherever we go. His goodness and his mercy and his love and his joy and his peace is going everywhere that we go. We are to turn the tide of hopelessness chaos, selfishness, and pride, as we go out there encouraging others, praying for others, loving others, seeking out the needs of people, and proclaiming his love to others. Now think about a moment um, where you are, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you know, all these different places, you might be in different places, you might be in the same place the whole week, you know, some of us might overlap in the week, but generally, we're all in different places throughout the week, aren't we? We, you know, just think about the place where you are Monday to Sunday, that Christ Jesus has sent you into those places. You are there to proclaim something of what Christ Jesus has placed inside of you. This wonderful, amazing, powerful, life-transforming message is in each and every one of us. Doesn't that excite you? Doesn't that make you think, yes, I've got something amazing inside of me? And your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to go out there and to express what it is that Christ has put in you. Not just today, not just tomorrow, but the day after, and the next day, and the next, and the next. Jesus demonstrated so much with signs and wonders. And he said to us, and it says this in his Bible, that we will do even greater things than Jesus. Well, that just blows my mind for a start. Doing greater things than Jesus. You know, we saw him raising the dead and and giving sight to the blind and all these different things. And and yet he's saying that we will do even greater things than these. And the reason why I, what I believe um, is, you know, that Jesus may be talking about there is because, is, you know, it's not just one Jesus now that is walking the face of the earth. 
But each and every one of us who has Jesus Christ living inside of us is going out there and we're able to reach more people with the love of God, with Jesus. So there are more Jesuses walking the face of the earth. And that's even greater and that's even amazing. How wonderful is that? You know, Billy Graham, the evangelist, said this. He said, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermon the world is heeding. In other words, your life, the things that you say, the things that you do, people are looking at that and they're learning something about God through your life. How amazing is that? And there's this psychologist and he said, worry not that your child listens to you. Worry most that they watch you. We all parents can take that advice. Um, but this can be said of the world as well. You know, the world, you know, it doesn't matter how loud we shout or how loud or how clear or how clever we, we sound or, you know, the world won't necessarily listen to us. But they will be watching you. They will be looking and, and taking it in and, you know, and be thinking, oh, I wonder why you said that or I wonder why you behaved in that way. Will Smith, the actor, he said this, I want the world to be a better place because I was here. I want my life, I want my work, my family, I want it to mean something. If you are not making someone else's life better, then you're wasting your time. I love that. You know, this is actually God's plan and purpose for each and every one of us that we make a difference in this world, that we make a difference in somebody else's life. You know, you can make a difference in somebody else's life. That's so wonderful and amazing. And it's Jesus' gospel that has the power to do that. It's the message that we are carrying as the power to change someone's life. If we are not proclaiming the gospel with our lives and the things that we are saying and the things that we are doing, then what are we doing with our lives? Are we wasting our time? I don't want to waste my time. I don't know about you. Maybe you feel like you're nothing special. Maybe you feel quite ordinary. Um, to be honest, I feel much, pretty much ordinary pretty much most of the time. I certainly don't have any like outstanding abilities or gifts or, or anything like that. And, and I'm of um, average intelligence. And I'm glad to say none of my family here to even debate even that. So, <laughs> you know, so nothing special about me, really. And, you know, there may be some of us here who do have amazing talents and abilities and, or maybe have some great minds where you can learn really well and remember things really well and, and stuff like that. Whether you're like that or you feel rather ordinary, the thing is, we are meant to live our life really, really well. Our ordinary life to, it has to be lived well. And when we live, our ordinary lives well, it becomes something beautiful. It becomes full of signs and wonders. It becomes something amazing. Extraordinary things start happening just by making choices and decisions to live well. 
My ordinary life lived well as a follower of Christ Jesus, demonstrating his love and grace is a sign and wonder to those who are lonely and those who are broken. So you may feel rather ordinary in your workplace, ordinary in your place of study, but God has designed everything in such a way that all of creation is looking at you. See, God knows that you're ordinary or, or got some talents or abilities. He knows that because he created you that way. And yet he's saying, I want all of creation to look at you and to see me and to see how amazing I am, see how much I love them and how much I'm passionate about them. Jesus is choosing to reveal himself through you and me, throughout our ordinary daily life. So we are ordinary people, let's be honest. Whether you have got special talents or abilities, you, you know, you've still got to do the housework. you still got to go to work. you still got to pay the bills and, you know, look after the kids and, and do all of those things. And, you know, and, and those essays, they won't miraculously write themselves. And, and that overflowing pile of washing, you know, it won't miraculously, you know, wash itself and dry itself and iron and fold and put away, no matter how hard we pray, we genuinely have ordinary lives. And I believe that when we have the power and the presence of Jesus Christ living in us, our ordinary lives make an impact even quite often without us even realizing it. I used to spend time with this family, um, used to go and like do things with them, trying to help them out. They were going through quite a few difficulties as a family. So, and they weren't Christians, but I'd go and I'd go and try and sort a few things out. And as I was leaving, I would just say to them, would you like me to pray for you before I left? And they were like, okay. And so, so I prayed for them and said amen, and they looked at me blankly, and I was like, okay, I'll go now, so off I went, and I went probably about three or four times to go and see them and help them, and each time I would say, would you like me to pray for you before I go, and they would say, okay, and then, and then I'd finish my prayer, and they, they wouldn't even say amen, or that's lovely, or thank you, or anything like that, it was like, okay then, I'll be off now. So I started feeling a little bit awkward asking them if they wanted me to pray for them. So probably on about the fourth visit, I said to them, would you like me to pray for you before I go? And they said, yes. So I said, are you sure? And I said, because I don't want to force my faith on you. I don't want to make you feel like you have to say yes to me. Um, I'll promise you that I will not be offended if you don't want me to pray for you. I'd be quite happy if you say no. So I was kind of like trying to talk them out of it, actually. And they said, and, they, and then I saw this like glint in their eyes that I'd never seen before. And it was like this moment, and I'd never forget what they say, even to this day. And they looked at me and said, no, please do pray for us. Because whenever you pray for us, something always happens. And when you leave, we always talk about what is God going to do for us next. Something that was so ordinary to me was actually something really extraordinary to them. And I didn't even realize it. I didn't even know. 
You see, when we do the ordinary God, ordinary things, God makes it extraordinary. He gets alongside us. He wants his plans to succeed more than we do, believe it or not. He's got these plans and purposes that he was wanting us to step out in. So even if we step out in, he's going to make them successful. Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out not to take anything with them. You see, all we need is ourselves and Christ is in us. That's all we need. We have the power and the presence of God. We have the authority of Christ Jesus to go and make a difference with the proclamation of the gospel that's there inside of us. In Psalm 23, it talks about how um, um, his goodness will follow us all the days of our life. Because we've got Christ Jesus in us, his goodness is following us wherever we go. Us living our ordinary lives, Jesus is following us with his goodness and his mercy. And who knows who's getting to experience that and benefit from that. Your life is a proclamation and a demonstration of the powerful, restoring love of Jesus. You know, you, we can be so um, easily impressed, can't we? And quite rightly so when we hear about, you know, these evangelist conferences and thousands of people going forward to get saved and ask Jesus into their life. And, and I love hearing stories like that. And it is really, really impressive. But let's be just as equally impressed when the ones come in. It's so amazing and powerful that when the one person experiences something amazing of the love and the power and the presence of God, let's be impressed when, when someone steps out in boldness to express the goodness and the love of God. Let's be amazed when someone encounters God just by our ordinary things, whether it's taking the rubbish out for our neighbours or going the extra mile for our colleague or doing something kind and generous for the, for the stingy and mean person. You know, They're experiencing something of the love of God. People experience something extraordinary through our simple acts. And it may even be a miracle that they are waiting for. There was this mum that I was praying for, and I used to go and chat with her when we, I did the drop-off, the school drop-off. And from conversations, I got to learn that her daughter was starting piano lessons, and she's more disorganized than I am. So when you're disorganized, you recognize when other people are disorganized. It's kind of, you know, it takes one to know one kind of thing. And so I was on my way um, to the music shop because I had to pick something up for myself. And I thought, oh, I'll see if so-and-so would like me to pick up this book for her. So I phoned her and she said, oh, yes, please do. So I went and bought this book and, and I took it round to her house. And she said to me, that was one of the kindest things that anyone has ever done for her. I was amazed by that. That was just so like, how ordinary was it to say, to go and pick a book up for somebody and drop it off at their house? Well, I um, later learned that it was that day that she was having her first piano lesson and she hadn't had a chance to go and get the book and, and she was obviously quite stressed about it and and so some, my ordinary act was possibly an answer to her prayer. How can I do this? I can't get through this. And it was something extraordinary to her. 
And that was the beginning of her journey of becoming a Christian a few months later. See, your ordinary acts of kindness and love, the proclamation of God's forgiveness and love, could be somebody else's miracle, could be a sign of God's amazingness, could be the wonder of God's generosity. Let's be those that goes after the ones. You know, you don't ever try to reach the lost because you're trying to tick a box. You know, I've done my evangelism, I've, I've said the gospel, I've told somebody about Jesus. Don't ever try to do it because you've, got, you've just heard a preach. So you just heard Judith on Sunday say you need to go tell people about Jesus. Don't ever go and tell people about Jesus because you feel it's a duty. But let it be a passion that's within you. Let it be this passion that's in you that you know that you are carrying something so wonderful, so amazing that you cannot keep it in. That it just flows out however you live, however you, wherever you go. You know, you may be thinking like, okay, right now, after this preach, I'm going to go and change the world. I'm going to tell people about God and about Jesus and about what he's done in my life. And, you know, I'm going to really, really do this. And, and then you wake up and it's another ordinary day. And you hear this whisper in your heart that says that you cannot do what God wants you to do. And so you may be you're gripped with fear, or maybe you think, oh, maybe not today, or, or whatever. And maybe you don't even need to wait for the cold light of day to make you feel like, do you know what, I don't think this is for me. When Jesus was asked um, what the greatest commandment was, he responded with, love God and love your neighbor now, this commandment is mentioned about eight times in, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels. And, um, but by far, the most repeated command in the Gospel that, that Jesus commands us with is all related to fear. So about 21 times it's recorded in the New Testament um, commands relating to do not be afraid, afraid, be of good cheer, be of good heart, take heart. You know, 21 times. You know, this is Jesus saying, you know, I recognize that actually it is quite hard and it can be quite scary. You know, and he's acknowledging that. And, and it's kind of like Jesus saying, you know, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. It's like Jesus, well, recognizing, well, it is, does feel like that sometimes. I feel like I'm going into a pack of wolves and all I can see is these sharp pointed teeth. And, and now I've got to tell them about Jesus. And, you know, and it can feel like that sometimes. And, you know, and Jesus knows that, that fear is a real thing. So he tries to encourage us. And he says, as you go, be as shrewd as snakes, but gentle as doves. And often as Christians, you know, we don't have any problems, do we, of thinking of ourselves as doves, gentle, compassionate, you know, and peaceful and, and all of those things. And these are good characteristics of a Christian, aren't they? And we, we think, yeah, we can do with that. But if someone called you a snake, you wouldn't find that complimentary at all, would you? You know, if, you know, we 
someone called you a snake, you would find it rather insulting because you'd think it would mean something like sneaky or de devious, deceptive. But Jesus isn't saying that here. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to be as wise as snake. He's talking about wisdom. He's talking about being shrewd and being wise. And the dictionary definition of shrewd is having or showing sharp powers of judgment. So I had a look at some of the characteristics of a snake. And there are quite a lot of snakes out there. Um, but the snake that fits this description the best of being shrewd is called the king cobra. So snakes, generally, they, they react out of fear or anxiety or if they've been disturbed, they react and they, they, they attack from that. But the king cobra doesn't do that. Instead, it will take a moment and determine the best way to strike. So, so that's what we're supposed to be like. Take a moment and think about the best way to strike. So those people that you live and that you work amongst need to hear and see um, the message of Jesus Christ. And we need to be careful how we do it. So um, if we're going to be like the King Cobra, we wouldn't strike out out of being afraid or something or reaction and, or anxiety, then hope for the best, you know, hope that everything will work out and it'll be all okay. But we need to like take time and think about how do we reach the people that we live and work amongst? So we think about this. Maybe we need to ask Jesus, you know, for wisdom, I think it says that somewhere in the Bible. If you need wisdom, ask God for it. You know, we need to say to God, God, give me sharp powers of judgment in this situation because I want to know how to proclaim your message to the people that you gave your life for. So maybe we need to take time to carefully craft our message, maybe do some studying, read books, and be part of a connect or study group that helps us and encourages us. Um, Maybe, um, maybe it's a sackable offence if we go into our workplace and start sparking off about Jesus and his love and you need to get saved because if you don't, then you know what happens and, and all of this. And, and maybe you'd get sacked. So we need to think about our words. We need to think about our actions really carefully. Think about what we are allowed to say. Maybe um, get in touch with an organization, that, that, um, a Christian organization that, that works with our area of, of work, whether it's medicine or law or business or finance. There are Christian organizations that are specific for those areas that will help us to know how do we deal with the situations that, that we're in. Maybe you could start or join an existing prayer group in your organization. You know, find out if there's a prayer group. If there isn't one, maybe start one. Maybe it's simply planning to invite someone for dinner. And maybe you don't have much contact with non-Christians. Maybe join a, a social club or, uh, you know, the gym or something. Or maybe get involved with some social action things that the church is doing. But think about how you can play your part in proclaiming the gospel that is within you. We can't just say, oh, it's not the, I'm not in the right kind of environment to do that. Because you need to say to God, God, 
give me discernment in this situation. Give me wisdom in this situation. What do you want me to do? Um, quite a while ago, um, I watched this film called Hackshaw Ridge. And, um, and I don't know if you've seen this film, Hackshaw Ridge. It's a really powerful film, isn't it? And it's a powerful story of a young man called Desmond. So if you've never watched it and you're planning on watching it, I'm really sorry, because I'm going to ruin it for you right now. <laughs> so there's a man called Desmond in it. And he's a man of God, a man who's got faith. And he doesn't believe that killing people is right. He thinks murder is wrong. And yet he joins the army during a time of war. He said, I want to join the army which is really odd. And so he's in the army and, um, and he's being ridiculed and persecuted by all his um, army mates, the troops, the people that he's working and training amongst because how can he protect himself or protect the people that he's fighting with if he's not prepared to carry a gun? And he was saying, but I can save people's life without carrying a gun. And it was beyond anyone's comprehension. It was like, you can't do that. In fact, you're putting our lives at risk by coming with us. And so after intense training and constant bullying, it was time to go to, for him to go into a battle with his troops. And off he goes, and they go up this massive ridge, and it's at the top of this ridge that the, the battle is. And he gets there, and it's, and it's just blood and gore and bullets everywhere. People are dying, and most of his troops uh, have gone now. And he gets to this really intense moment, and he's looking, and he's at the edge of the ridge thinking that he's got to go down now because like, there's nothing more he can do. And he's stood at the top of the ridge saying, I don't know what you want me to do, God. I don't know what you want me to do, God. I can't hear you. What do you want me to do, God? And in that moment, he hears this voice in the bullets and the smoke of somebody crying out for help. And he realizes there's still people still alive. And so he goes back into the smoke and into the bullets, and he drags them out to the top of the ridge, and he lets them down by a rope. And he... And then he thinks, right, I'll go and see if there's anybody else. He goes back and he finds somebody else and he does this and he's starting to get exhausted and he's pulling them down by the rope. And, and you see his hands, they're like, they've got loads of blood on it from the rope burns. And, and he's just lying there saying, and he's absolutely exhausted. And he says, please, Lord, just one more. And so he goes back and he gets somebody and he drags them to the top. He lets them down by the rope and he, he takes another breath and says, please, Lord just one more. And he does this again and again and again. And the story is that he saves more people than anyone else that was carrying a gun. You know, I am so moved by this story. I'm so touched by this story and I love it. And I would have shown you a clip of this story, but there was actually too much gore in it. So I decided not to. I did have it ready and somebody says, do you not think it's a bit gory? And I was like, oh yes, it probably is. So, so I didn't show it you. Um, but when given the award for bravery, he said, I only did what somebody else would have done. What seemed ordinary to him, his passion, his kindness, his tenacity, his, his wanting to do what's right, seemed really, really ordinary to him. 
But actually, it was a miracle to somebody else's life. It was probably an answer to prayer to some of those guys who were lying there, hurt and injured and, and broken, not knowing how they're going to get out of this. And, you know, and they're praying to God, God, help me. And he comes along and drags them out. It's a miracle to them, isn't it? So each and every one of us here, you know, however ordinary you feel, you have the authority in Christ Jesus to heal the sick and transform people's lives with the message that you are carrying. You know, most people who will encounter Christ Jesus It won't be because they've walked into a church building or they've walked into this hall. That won't be the first time they've encountered Christ Jesus for most people. It will be because of you. It will be because of your lives. That will be their first encounter of Christ Jesus. And yes, I do believe in signs and wonders, raising the dead and um, bringing sight to the blind, healing the diseases. And I long for those things. And I long for those things for all of us to see all of those things and, and express those things and, and to encounter those things and so much more. But I also believe that there is something so much more greater, so much more powerful than any of those things. And that is when people become wholehearted Christ followers and their lives and their hearts and their souls and their minds are completely restored in Christ Jesus. That is amazing. That is one of the most powerful and awesome things that we could ever see. So we are in the midst of a battle, perhaps not like Desmond, but but like um, a spiritual battle. And you may be there thinking, well, what do you want me to do, God? God, I, don't, I can't hear what your plans and your purposes are for my life. I, I don't know what you want me to do. Maybe we need to just listen a bit more intently at the cries of people that are around us that are hurting, that are broken, that, that don't know Christ Jesus, that are hopeless, that are living in chaos. And we have the answers to bring um, peace to them and restoration to them and transformation to them. So let's be those that are shrewd and innocent and go and proclaim the good news. Look out for the one who we sit next to in class, who, who we who we, you know, maybe chat to at the coffee station or, or the one that comes and asks us all, all these questions or whatever. Look out for those people. Look for opportunities to express something of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to just pray to finish. Father God, I just want to just thank you for each and every one of us in this room. I thank you, God, that your word does say that we will do even greater things than you, Lord Jesus. And that you have filled each and every one of us with your power and your presence. And I just pray that even now that we will just become more aware of that, God. So much more aware of who you are, what you are doing in us and through us. That, Lord God, as we go, Lord, in our our daily lives, wherever we are on the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, the Friday, the Saturday, the Sunday, wherever we are, God, just help us, help us to proclaim who you are, Lord God, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much, Judith, for that, that word to us.
Um, I don't know about you, but I am uh, really encouraged this morning. Um, I'm encouraged that as I go out into the place where God's called me to go, the week that I'm having.